I'm pulling an audible this morning, so you can go to two spots in your Bible. I'm going to take you to Romans chapter 12 and Psalm 145. Hey, yesterday we had a sweet time of celebrating Maureen, you guys. It was good. It was really encouraging. Oh, fun to be around their family. Man, they're a lively crew, those Websters. You should have seen those grandkids. It's like, okay, someone's going to have to hit mute on the mic because open mic, this is like going to go. And they're like, you know, they're uncovering family secrets in the midst of all of this. <laughs> it, was, it was good. So, you know, Maureen's not here. I can, I can tell a story on her. And, and I knew this. I mean, I partially knew this, but I didn't totally know this. But I'd seen Griffin with duct tape on his mouth before. <laughs> Maureen had a color-coded system for her duct tape based on how the kids have been acting and if they needed that on their mouth. And so it was, you know, just grandma pulling that off. And, uh, oh, man, we had a good time yesterday, so it's sweet. Um, hey, let's pray as we consider God's word. Lord, just want to uh, come before you right now. And again, God, we just declare our great need for you. Thankful, Lord, for your word. Thankful, God, that you speak to us and... Lord, just as I kind of go off the regular track this morning from 1 Samuel, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would strengthen us, Lord, that you'd uh, unite our church. I pray, God, that there would be uh, the, the bond of peace here. I pray, God, that we would be strengthened in the word of God. We pray, God, that we would have clarity from you and from your spirit and that uh, we would be united around you, Lord, and around your gospel and around um, your kingdom and your name. And Lord, we, we need your word. We do need it to dwell richly in our hearts. And so we pray that would be the case, Lord, and that you would bless uh, this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, it's the end of August. Isn't this crazy? Does it go like this for the rest of your life, like just faster and faster and faster? Uh, it's too quick. And um, we my family has had an awesome summer. I've like was really intentional in my heart about that and some of the things uh, we were doing in our times with our family. And I, I, I just, for myself personally, with my family, it's just been so rich and awesome. And uh, I was thinking back this week uh, to the end of May when restrictions lifted and our church had total freedom to come again and gather and worship Jesus. The state of emergency was lifted and it had all the appearance that things were uh, trending back to normal. And actually, when that happened, on that day that happened, the thing that actually stood out to me was not the freedom was, was given for us to come back together and worship, but something that Bonnie Henry said struck me on that day, and it was this, and I think it was the 31st of May, that she said this, that our province would not be implementing a vaccine passport system. And so I was like, oh, whew. Because I totally thought we were trending in that direction. I like thought that that's where everything, everything was going. And, uh, you know, like honestly, that stood out to me because in my mind, I'm just going to be straight up. I'd like totally tuned out government dronings and on and on. I'm like, I just can't listen anymore. And so what caught my ear was that that would not be implemented. And so, uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I, I was shocked, to be honest. And... Um, and so this week, you know, we've seen some changes, and uh, it was announced that there's going to be this vaccine passport system, and it's going to be implemented. It's like, wow, that, for me, I have to say that it came out of nowhere. I don't know about you. It came out of nowhere for me, and my guard was down, 
And Tuesday, my whole day was filled here at the church, you guys, nonstop. That was it, the whole conversation, all day. It didn't matter whether the phone rang, who came in here, what the guys were talking about, whatever. That's all I talked about. I, I, I had someone call here who's not here with us and doesn't come here, and they're like, I'm going to lose my job. My children are going to lose their jobs. And I'm like, you know, trying to wrestle through and chat through with this person. And, and, and I, so I, I want to address a couple things this morning. And I think that it's important. I, um, I have believed that it hasn't been my role to address vaccines. I'm just straight up. I, I believe my role is to declare and to teach the word of God. And certainly, you know, I discuss these things with you and we discuss it with each other in groups and in conversations, but I have not viewed this right here, the pulpit. I, I don't think, in fact, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that I have said in the last 18 months, vaccine from this pulpit one single time. We've been pointing to Jesus and looking at the word of God, and we are not going to stop doing that. Um. I personally have my convictions. I know you personally have your convictions. Whether you, you vax or not is not an issue that this church is going to be divided over. That's what I want to say to you. And the thing that bothers my heart is, I want to say this, the thing that bothers my heart is people being treated like a virus. You are not a virus. You are not a walking virus. You are not the scourge of the earth. You are a man or woman made in the image of God. You bear the imago Dei. You are the height of God's creation. Do you know that? He has set his name and his hand upon you. The image of God is in your frame. And so, you know, when actions by government, you know, restrict public access to, to services, I, I would just say this. I'm like, wherever you land on the vaccine thing, fine. But we should recognize that this is not a good thing. We shouldn't see it in a positive light. Whether, you know, willful or ignorant, when governments head in directions like this, history just tells us, this is not good. And so we need to recognize it, and I need to say that. I, I, I need to, and we need to take encouragement um, in the Scripture, because when things like this are implemented, the, person, the people who pay the price is the common citizen, right? We know this. And to, so to simply call what is happening in our world a health crisis is, I think, naive, uh, what is happening is an, is an existential crisis that is penetrating deep into the hearts of humanity that is about our existence. Fear about the future. And we see this, it is going deep into culture, church, but we're part of another culture, part of another kingdom. And I'm really thankful. Look, I would just tell you, I'm not discouraged whatsoever. You know, I had a couple days this week where, yes, I was down, like probably many of you were. But I have to tell you, this is good soil for the gospel. This is good soil for a harvest. 
this is a good soil for hurting people to be reached with the message of Jesus Christ. At the same time, it is also good soil for tyranny. It is also good soil for the rise of totalitarianism. And such things do not land down in a culture by one foul swoop. They, they, they come in increments. We know this. There's relief and there's times of pressure and it, and it just grows. And so I would say this, you know, whatever your position on the vax, and I have mine, we should see what happened in our province and what's happening around the world and in our nation as problematic to the world. Now, if you happen to pay attention, I'm not going to assume you pay attention to a lot of things that I say. That would be pretty prideful on my part. I, so I don't want to assume something, but I'm going to point out something that I have been saying around our church for a month now. I have been repeating every Sunday Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I've been saying it in prayers, or I've just been quoting it, whether it's in the break or when I'm opening the, scripture, uh, the, the time of teaching in the Word of God. And I have been intentionally referencing Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So I want us to look at it this morning. It's going to come up on your screen. Yeah, good. I don't know if I got a few bees in my bonnet this morning or what. But here's another thing. I want, I want you to bring your Bibles to church. You know, if you've been around here for a long time, we only started doing this when all this stuff started. I didn't do this on purpose before. It wasn't because we weren't clued into technology. It's because we believe the people of God should carry their swords. Carry your sword. It'll be on the screen. But bring your, bring your sword to church. Bring your Bible to church. Okay, so Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read in the NIV, but I don't know what it's... Yeah, cool. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Now, Paul here says this, that we as followers of Jesus, we who have experienced the mercies of God are to do this. We offer in response to the message of the cross and the reality of salvation in our lives, we offer our bodies to the Lord, and it is our, our, that's our physical bodies, our physical frames, and we offer it to the Lord in response to his mercy as a living sacrifice, and this is our act of worship towards the Lord. We surrender our bodies to the Lord. So I've been praying at different times in our services, Lord, we offer our bodies to you. We offer them to you as living sacrifices. Now, the scripture teaches that. So I would come to this conclusion, therefore, that when an agency demands control over my body and demands that I must offer it to them, I have to consider, is God calling me to do that? Is this God's will? And there is a difference between a demand and an offering, isn't there? A difference between Coercion and voluntary acts. One is a choice of the will and the other is a demand of the state. And it's really fascinating to me that the Bible never uses coercive tax, the, the, tactics. The Lord never uses coercive tactics. He empowers freedom of choice. 
He empowers and reaches out to your free will by his mercy, in view of his mercy. But at the end of the day, when I think about agencies like government and the kingdom of God, the result is at the end of the day, they both want the same thing. My body. The state is demanding it, and Jesus is giving me the option to offer it to him as a living sacrifice. Inherently different approaches. Do we see that in the word of God? We know this. And so we offer our bodies to the Lord. But the key word is offered. Offered. And once I offer it to him, he is Lord. Lord, meaning that he has power and he has authority over that which I've surrendered to him, over my body. And so offering my body to the Lord as a spiritual act of worship, as a living sacrifice, means I live as though the flesh and the desires of the flesh, the appetites of the flesh, and the will of the flesh is dead unto Christ and surrendered to his lordship. The appetites of our bodies, when we do this, when we offer our bodies to the Lord, the appetites of my body become subject to the will of God, to the word of God, to the lordship of Jesus Christ. So here's a couple practical ways in which that like plays out for me. I don't get to do whatever I want sexually. We live as followers of Jesus who have offered our bodies to the Lord we live in accordance to God's design for sex, which is between a man and a woman in the state of marriage. Everything else the word of God says, sin. Just straight up. It's like that's what the word of God says. Because my body belongs to the Lord, I want to look after my health. I have to be responsible. I should exercise. It should like pay attention to what I put into this body. I don't, you know, besides this physique here, I just have to, I don't eat at McDonald's every day, okay? Because I know that that would be poison to the body. And, and, you know, I know this. You know, I was, I was doing okay. I was losing some weight until all my family had holidays together. And then it's like, all we did was eat and sit around and go to the beach. So now I'm like behind the eight ball again. Okay, here's another way that plays out. I don't abuse drugs or alcohol. Why? Because I have offered my body to Christ Jesus and I want Jesus to be glorified as Lord. Now, when it comes to the choice of vaccinated or not, I, I would say this, that's exactly what it is, a choice. It's a choice. What you choose is up to you. And I will not divide, I, under my leadership, this church is not gonna be divided over this issue. In fact, I believe this is the place that we're called to love one another, whatever choice you make. We give room to one another. We believe in the freedom of choice. The Lord has brought you, you know, salvation, his word says, the Lord says this in the Psalms. He says, I bring you into a broad and spacious place. Meaning there's ample distance. I, I think ample distance on non-essentials. There's generous space. Now, the world is using this issue to divide people. And I want to say to you this morning, little children, let us love one another. We will not divide over this issue. But when the government takes course of actions to divide people, to create two-tier systems, 
to remove freedoms and rights, we have to be highly concerned and we should recognize. We can't be like willfully ignorant or dismissive of these things. We should recognize what's going on. And so, you know, I, I, I felt like I should address this because I, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I don't expect the trajectory to change. I think we're on a course. I think the rail tracks have been laid and we're, we're probably going there. And I'm convinced that there is, as are you, I believe, there is the kingdom of this world and there is the kingdom of God. And God sent his son, Jesus, not to uh, save us from this world, I would say, but to save us out of this world. He's called us out of this world into the kingdom of his glorious son. And I don't think that the Bible, no, there's room for, now here's a broad and ample space that you can move into, but I actually don't believe that the Lord is at work to redeem culture. He's called us out of the culture into his kingdom. The day is going to come when he's going to bring judgment against this world. He's at work to pull us out of this world into the kingdom of his son, Jesus. And so I want to keep our reality and our hope in this world in check. I, and I guess I, I hope that doesn't sound dour because serving Jesus is not dour. We're going to learn a line dance next Saturday night at our camp out. We're, we're going to have fun. And to be honest, I, I feel as though, you know, the, the Lord is just, you know, he's shaping theology and doctrine and worldview. And I believe that in a lot of ways, the trajectory is set. And outside of the return of Christ Jesus church, we should not expect some magical change of direction. Therefore, I would say to you this, turn from your evil. Put to death the works of the flesh. Return to the Lord in a spirit of repentance and let him wash your heart clean and make your spirit steadfast and strong. Jesus is calling a holy people unto himself. And God is not mysterious in the ways that he speaks to his people. He gave us his word. There's no mystery about what God is saying. He's given us his word, we need to be people of the book. This, in fact, I would say this is not a difficult book. People just don't know it. God has told us the beginning of all things in the book of Genesis. In fact, we believe that, I believe this. I actually believe, I've never told you this before, but I believe that our trust in the book of Genesis is so inherently natural to us when we come to faith in Jesus Christ that you actually have to be taught and told it shouldn't be trusted. That does not come from the Spirit of God. The Word of God can be trusted. You have to learn that it shouldn't be trusted. You have to have someone tell you that the genesis and the origins of what it says can, can be questioned, but your natural inclination and disposition when you put your trust in Jesus Christ is this. You will trust the Word of God. And in the book of Genesis, God tells us what happened in the beginning. And the same God who in his omnipotence made all things in this world and who tells us how that happened and how it began in the beginning in his omniscience tells us what will happen in the end and has given his church a book, Revelation. 
Now, I don't know if you think that God is confused about the end of days or he's wondering what's going to happen, but let me affirm to you, he is not confused. And he gave us a book to prepare us. The book of Revelation tells us what will happen in the end. And our church believes what the Bible teaches in the book of Revelation. We, we believe in it. We, we like believe in the importance of having a, a, a eschatology, a structure of understanding the end of days. And I believe we hold to a picture of the end that requires no spiritual gymnastics in its conclusion and no contortions of belief. You don't have to work too hard to get there. We believe in the rapture of the church, amen? We believe that the rapture of the church is an unsigned future event. It could happen anytime. That Jesus will come, the trumpet will sound, and he will take his church to be with him in the Father's house. And it could happen anytime. And Jesus told many parables about this that said, your heart needs to be ready and you need to be watching. We believe that following the rapture of the church, there is a period of tribulation that will come on the face of the earth. Seven years. It will be a time of unprecedented, brutal stuff in history. The Bible tells us that the nations of the world are going to come under a global government in those days. There will be a Babylonian religious and economic system. Buying and selling will be controlled by the mark of the beast. It'll be instituted on all nations. And so, you know, I, I was thinking about this. You know, globalism does not mean that nations cease to exist. It just means that they come under the governance of a one-world government. They come under one head. And we believe that the word of God teaches that during that period of time, that seven-year tribulation, the nations of the earth are going to rise against the people and the nation of Israel, and then Christ will come and he will save them. And his church will come with him, the second coming and he will save Israel and Jesus will establish his reign on the earth and there will be peace for a thousand years. All the nations will gather to worship Jesus. Israel will be given the opportunity to finally get it right. They'll finally get to do it all right for a thousand years. They'll recognize their sacrificial system, their prophets, their worship, their temple. Jesus is the fulfillment of it all, and they'll get to practice it and do it perfectly for his glory and for their name. He's going to set it straight. And then Jesus is going to allow a rebellion to happen when the thousand years is over. And the word of God says Satan will be bound, the earth will be destroyed by fire, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth because God's not redeeming this earth. He'll give a thousand years for it to be okay, but then men are going to rebel against him again. This is not the place of redemption. It's the place of salvation. Jesus is making a new heavens and a new earth. Look at those beliefs. Those things that I've just declared, those are born from the book of Revelation. Jesus said this, blessed is the one who reads the book of Revelation. You know, Jesus does not lie. There is a blessing 
The Spirit of God has attached a blessing to the reading of the book of Revelation. And the most natural conclusion of the simple reading of Revelation results in the things I just told you. The rapture, the seven-year tribulation, the reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign, and the new coming of the new heavens and the earth. And, and, you know, you have to be taught, again, not to believe those things if you just simply read the Word of God. And that means this, that the world is trending in a direction that, that globalism, that global governance is the future. It's not the future because I'm for it <laughs> or because I think it's best, but because I believe that that's what God's Word says is going to happen in the end of days. It's going to happen. There will be a one world government and it appears to me, I don't know about you, but as I watch what's going on, it appears to me that, that everything unfolding on the earth is pointing to the fact that we are going in a direction. The word of God has told us we're going to go there as it is. Two and two is four, right? One and one is two. There will be a one world government, and I don't like it, but here's what I want to say. It tells us something else, church. Jesus is coming. <sighs> Jesus is coming. He's coming for our church. He's coming for his church. Our redemption is drawing nigh. And I suspect or believe that as we wait for that day that the Bible says will come like a thief in a night, I suspect that there are not easy days ahead of us. Hard days. We've lived in generations that have had great blessing. We have very weak theology of suffering. We've had a very good and history has proven that major world changes in governance and culture are precluded by a couple of significant things. I want to point them out to you this morning because they help me. Triggers that cause massive shifts in the world. The first is this. It's going to be on the screen. An existential threat. A threat to the existence of humanity. Whether it's real or perceived or hypothetical, or whatever it is, like a pandemic where everyone is an existential threat. We're wondering what is going to happen. It gives people power and control and allows people to follow. The second thing is this, an economic collapse. I don't believe, and I think you're the same as me, I would guess that we've probably even begun to feel the realities of what the past year and a half has meant to our economy. It's not like we were firm and on firm footing going into this whole thing. It's like money's been being printed hand over fist and there's debt like out of control and all of these things. It's like these things are real. Both of these things are in front of us. And, and here's a perspective on reality. I think that we are potentially facing both at some point in the very near future. Things are moving in a direction. I'm saying the trajectory is set. And so with the heart of wisdom, we need to have discernment and recognize as followers of Jesus what is going on in the world around us. You know, there's that old saying, the Bible in one hand and newspaper in the other. 
And so let me say two things to you this morning. Number one, do not fear. (laughs) Amen, eh? Don't fear. Do not fear, little children. Your father knows what he's doing. Your father knows there is no need to fear. Even though the mountain should fall into the sea, the scripture says, when you're standing on Christ, you are on a rock that cannot be shaken. Amen. God is our rock. God is our strength. He is our strength when we are weak. When there are storms all around, Jesus is solid ground. And his love does not change. And those who call on his name will not be put to shame. Look at church. Do not fear. Amen. The second thing is this. God is in control. Power and glory and honor belong to the Lord. He has power to influence and direct where things are going. Our God is the king of the nations, and he has given all nations into Jesus' authority. The Father is seated on the throne, and Jesus is seated at his side, at his right side, and the nations have been given to Jesus, and Jesus is in control. The Lord is in control, and when the trumpet calls, Jesus will open the sky, and he will bring his church to be with him where he is. And hallelujah, we will be with the Lord forever. And so little children, let us love one another. You know, this fall, this is what I just feel in my heart. You know, it's like no big, great conclusion, but it's like I just feel the Spirit of God saying, keep the focus on the times of prayer and the gathering. Uh, together, I, I'm going to push in the next number of weeks that as a church, we just turn off our televisions and the internet and all these things, and this fall, we're going to read through the Bible in 90 days as a church. On Wednesday night, we'll gather, we'll discuss it together. We're going to break the bread of the Lord's Supper. We are going to continue to fellowship and point people to Jesus and preach the gospel. I want us to have a lot of fun together. And we will not divide the body of Christ because Jesus has promised he is with us even unto the very end of the age. Amen? And so I want to read to you Psalm 145. If you have your Bibles, 145. It's a Psalm of David. Looked at David so much here through 1 Samuel. And it's fun to see his heart. He says this. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, 
and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his works and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and he raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And let all his flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. All God's people said, amen. You know, in my quiet time this week, I've been in Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is just, I love Jeremiah. And uh, in fact, I've had a couple days where it's like, I can't even like stop. I'm like, oh, shoot, I got to get going, man. I got to get in the shower and like get ready to go to work. But Jeremiah's like so awesome. And then Jeremiah was reading this week, and I just took such great hope. And at Jeremiah 21, 29, the Lord sent Jeremiah. The Lord sent Jeremiah to give, well, he wrote a letter, actually. He wrote a letter to those who were in exile in Babylon. Israelites who had been taken from Jerusalem to the city of Babylon and were living there as foreigners, aliens in that land, strangers. And this was the word of God from Jeremiah, through Jeremiah, to the people in Babylon. It says this in Jeremiah 29, verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Church, let's be about the work of the kingdom. Make a life to the glory of God. Build a house. Plant a garden. If you want to get married, get married. Have lots of babies. <laughs> Glorify Jesus. Don't be afraid. God's in control. You know, uh, if you're with us this morning, maybe you're visiting, maybe you're here, you don't, you don't know Jesus, you're not assure, assured in your heart that your sins are forgiven and that you have the gift of eternal life. I just want to tell you, there, there is hope in Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness of sins. There is the gift of eternal life. That's what the Bible tells us. And that gift is given through Jesus. It was purchased by Jesus to be given to you. But the Bible says this, that you have to come to him. You have to surrender your life to him. You have to give yourself over to his lordship. And that happens in this way, that you believe in your heart that what Jesus did for you is real, that God 
that he went to the cross and died and was buried and raised from the dead. You believe in the resurrection of the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's an act of repentance and faith where you say, Jesus, I'm going to turn from living for myself and turn to live for you. And if you don't have assurance about that in your heart and in your life, you can have that. It's a gift from God that's received by faith. And so this morning, I I just uh, would like to pray. Can we bow our heads? We're going to come to the Lord's table in a minute. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. They're going to come quiet. And as they do, uh, can we pray together? Lord Jesus, we just confess our trust in you. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that we don't need to be afraid. Thank you, Lord, that you're in control. We thank you, Jesus, for the gift of salvation. And Lord, I just uh, would pray this morning for anyone that's here with us or anyone that's watching online that does not know you, has not surrendered to you. Maybe they're familiar with the gospel. Maybe they're not. You're the God who came to save. You're the God who made us and loves us and desires relationship with us. And Lord, I just pray that anyone who doesn't know you would just know in this moment, Lord, your great desire for them, your heart for them. And I pray, Lord, that rather than run from you, that they would turn to you that they would run towards you with arms open wide. I pray, God, that they would repent of sin, confess you as Lord, and experience the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them, strengthen them, and encourage them, assure them of their future and their hope in you. I pray, Lord, that you would calm their fears and their anxieties. I pray, Lord, that you would fill their heart and life with hope. And so, God, I just pray for anyone that does not know you, that you would draw them by your spirit now in Jesus' name. And I pray for us who do know you, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would make us bold, that we would not fear, Lord, that we would walk and live in the power of the spirit, that we would be the church, that, Lord, you would unite our hearts in love for one another and love for you, and that you would protect us, God. We ask for that. Protect us, Lord. We pray for health in our bodies. We pray for health in this body. Lord, we pray for spiritual health. We pray for physical health. We pray, God, that in the days ahead, you would guide us, that you'd give us wisdom and hearts of discernment, that we would be looking for you in your kingdom, for your coming, Lord, that we would offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices. That's our act of worship. So, Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.